0: My name is Mark Vina, and welcome to the Smart Tech Check Podcast, where we cover all tech topics that are smart home, home automation, security, and console gaming related. Today is Tuesday, November 17th, 2020. As a lot of folks know, uh, last Friday, uh, the new iPhone 12 Pro Max model started to ship. Um, it's always a glorious day when that, that that iPhone arrives on your doorstep and you get a chance to check it out. Um, You know, it's a celebration for all early adopters, and I'm certainly one of those guys. Um, I'd like to have a quick discussion on that because I think a lot of folks would like to hear about my reaction to the iPhone 12 Pro Max, um, and uh, especially the the 5G implications because they are um, Apple's first-generation 5G phones. And I've got on the line with me a um, a fellow journalist who you've heard uh, before on many of my podcasts. That's Dwight Silverman the esteemed uh, journalist for the Houston Chronicle. Dwight, welcome to the podcast.
1: I'm doing great, Mark, uh, and thank you for having me, as always. I love doing these conversations with you. They're, just, they're a lot of fun.
0: Uh, no, they are a lot of fun, and I always learn a couple of things from you, and you always learn a couple of things from me, and that's the way podcasts uh, should work. At least that's what a good podcast is. But before we get into the whole iPhone 12 thing, and I want to also talk about the new Mac Macs are now shipping with M1s. Cause I'm sure you've got some, you've, you've actually written about that. You've got some interesting insights on that. There's some news in the, Dw- in the world of Dwight Silverman that I want you to um, kind of provide some color on. So I'll, I'll let you uh, take the microphone, so to speak.
1: Well, I've been uh, at the Houston Chronicle for 30 years since 1990 and, and in journalism professionally since the late, late mid seventies. And, uh, the Chronicle as a lot of uh, newspapers have uh, offered a buyout and I decided to go ahead and take one and retire from the newspaper business. Um, and so uh, I turned 65 in August and I was thinking about doing that at that point anyway and then doing something new. And, uh, and the, uh, you know, the buyout offer kind of uh, was the icing on the cake. And I decided to pull the trigger and this doesn't mean that I'm just going to be like, you know, sitting around, uh, binge watching the crown and, uh, <laughs> and knocking back lone stars. That's not, that's not what's happening. Uh, you know, I want to keep, I want to keep working. I just want to have more control of my time and, uh, and do things that I kind of really love and maybe do something completely different. Mm-hmm. Kind of All of the, uh, all of my options are open to me. I, I, Posted this on my Facebook and Twitter accounts, and I was kind of overwhelmed by uh, the good wishes of literally hundreds of people, uh, both friends and people in the business, and uh, and I was just kind of really overwhelmed at the at the, uh, the good wishes that I got. So um, I'm, this my last day will be January fifteenth at the Chronicle, but mm-hmm. um, I won't be I won't be fading away. I, well, I may take two weeks. And and binge watch The Crown and drink Lone Stars for two weeks, but uh, that's uh, that'll that'll probably be it. I'll be I'll be back in the saddle pretty soon.
0: Well, I, I'm not surprised, you, Dwight. You've gotten that reaction from friends and colleagues because I've known you for my God, 20 plus years, going back to the early 90s when I first met you when I was at Compact, and we've mm-hmm. stayed uh, close since then. And uh, you know, you are a have been a, a sage voice in the technology world. Always been very reasonable and even keeled, which is a hard skill set to find <laughs> in the, uh, in, in even, even in technology journalism, people have an opinion about things and it's hard sometimes to sway them um, one way or another, but uh, we will stay in touch. And I, and I hope you uh, keep me plugged in on what you're doing, because I know there's a lot of people out there with, that wish you well, and um, you will certainly be doing some thrilling things um, in your post Houston Chronicle um, uh, period of your career but g- getting back to the you know the iphone 12 pro max uh topic that i want to ping your brain on you know mine arrived last friday um you know it, you know when i get a new apple iphone i you know revert back to probably when i was 15 and i got my first video game console i get really excited i got to take it out of the box you know it's amazing to me how apple has how simple apple has made it transitioning from an older phone to a newer phone that process went very very quickly. Um, but I uh, want to get your initial reaction because I know you got the exact same model that I did because you like the, the larger form factor, but want to get mm-hmm. your, um, your initial take on it. Um, I, I just, you know, before we hit the, the 5G topic, which I know you're going to spend quite a bit of time on talking about, <laughs> but what's your reaction to the form factor? It is a little bit larger. Did it put, t- did it put you off in any way?
1: Um, the only thing that, and I wouldn't use the, fr- the, word, the phrase necessarily put me off, you know the design harkens back to the iPhone four slash five era, right? Where it had flat sides, uh, kind of uh, boxy, curves, boxy, boxy, right, 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 right. And actually, this is I haven't measured it, but supposedly uh, it's actually thinner than than the previous uh, than the the eleven Pro Max. But uh, it feels it felt kind of more clunky in my hand. I put a I I uh, I, I had actually already bought a couple of cases uh, and put the uh, Spigen Liquid Crystal Clear case on it, which by the way is an excellent case, mm-hmm. and um, and it feels much more comfortable with a case. And obviously, you're not gonna, you know, I, I know there are people out there who will use it without a case, but I can't imagine.
0: I don't understand you know, those people. Buying, I have to say that yes. I don't understand why you'd spend a thousand dollars or more on something and not have a case on it. Let me just tell yes, that to America. Yes. I don't get that. <laughs>
1: Go ahead. Well, there, there are some people who actually consider Apple Care and the, the lower-cost screen replacement. That's their case.
0: Yeah, but that's great. Uh, uh, I, 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 yes, I agree. I, 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 that's I, I, I don't want to <laughs> rat hole on that. But, you know, I, uh, you know, I've had iPhones since the first first, first one came out in 2007, so I've probably mm-hmm. had over th- every model since it's ever come out. I have never had mm-hmm. a cracked screen, never had a cracked screen. Maybe I'm unusual in that mm-hmm. regard in that I take care of my phones, but I just think folks who run around without a, uh, you know, Apple care or not, I just think it's crazy. But anyway, that's, that's another podcast. We could do how crazy people are <laughs> who don't buy their iPhone. But go, but go, I'm sorry. I, I interrupted you. Go ahead.
1: So, so I like the, um, you know, I read a lot of the reviews where people talked about how big it was and how much they complained about the size of it. And I kind of don't notice that much difference. You know, I've used the large phone since the iPhone 7 Plus. And so I'm used to that. And when I got it, I, you know, obviously I put my 11 Pro Max up in front of me. You can see it's maybe about a quarter inch bigger at the t- taller and maybe a quarter inch wider. And, I, and with the case on it, I don't feel it. Um, I have another case from a company, an Austin-based company called Smartish. Mm-hmm. Has a, it's a case called the Kung Fu Grip case, and it's a little bulkier. And when I put that on it, uh, it kind of felt bigger than the previous ones. I think a lot of it maybe has to do with the case, but I, it you know, fits in my pocket the same way. I handle it the same way. When I'm working even one-handed on the screen with it, it still feels the same. So I, I don't notice it that much.
0: Yeah, my my reaction um, was, was very similar to yours in that without a case, you know, uh, the 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 eleven which had more beveled um, a beveled form factor, it felt a little bit smaller, and this one with again with now that it has kind of a boxy design. Um, It see it feels a little a a little bit bigger and and in truth. It is actually a a bit larger than the old um, 11 pro max, but it what you know You know, what's the trade-off the trade-off is of course better battery life Which we'll talk about in a few moments and you know, there's other of course advantages to having a larger phone and I just like, you know As we all get a bit older, you know that that extra real estate uh, real estate from a screen display standpoint comes in very handy You know, I'm sure you react the same way Yes,
1: Yes. it um you know, one of the th- uh, one of the other complaints I've read about it, and and I think I, I have to agree with this, is that you know the screen is larger, and when Apple went to its Plus size phones, it actually uh, redid the resolution, so it added another row of um, of icons on the home screen, and I think that they may have been able to do something similar with this if they had decided to that that creates problems for developers who then uh, you know when they're when they're looking at how their uh, apps will display on a bigger bigger screen and then have multiple models to scale that up and down with you know that, that creates issues in terms of, of display but but for the most part I think Apple could have done more with uh, allowing you know more objects on the screen particularly now with iOS 14 that allows widgets, you know, if you had a couple of widgets on your home screen and and uh, and you have apps, you know, the field of apps kind of snaking around it, you would you really would appreciate uh, you know some more space out there. But right. overall, it's in terms of the look, I I got the Pacific Blue. It's a beautiful color. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it much better than the midnight green from last year. And and out of the case and in terms of design and the look of it, um, I really like. The, the flat edge look, particularly with the midnight blue, because it's just it it has it's it's just it's just a gorgeous design, and and I wish it felt better in my hand, and I wish I was braver about not putting a case on it because because <laughs> it is a gorgeous one.
0: So let, let's talk about the big topic, and that is 5G, because I know you've okay. um, you know, you've uh, written about this in, in in past columns and current columns. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's obviously one of the chief reasons why people are are, are upgrading to the 12. There are other reasons, like the uh, the camera and a couple of other things that we'll talk about in a moment. But um, I want to get your thoughts on the 5G performance, and because uh, you live in an area where 5G is actually relatively accessible. I won't say it's everywhere. It's blanket. You know, it's not. Got, Texas is not completely blanketed with five G, but Houston, you know, there are, you know, there are is coverage there. So, what's been your experience so far?
1: So, one of the interesting things about Houston is because it's really flat. Um, uh, carriers like to uh, launch new versions of their products here first. Four um, G was here fairly early. Uh, uh, Verizon was testing five G. Uh, early on, in fact, up near the old compact campus uh, mm-hmm. in that area long before it formally launched. And so um, all three of the carriers here have 5G. Uh, Verizon has its um, millimeter wave, its ultra wide band, um, and uh, AT&T has its millimeter wave. Uh, both of them have launched kind of a, 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 a lower frequency, lower down the spectrum, version of 5G. Uh, and, and in both of those cases, I think if you go look at PC Mag's um, review of at ts 5G, they said in some cases, uh, it's worse than than LTE. The only one that I think does a pretty decent job of it so far is T-Mobile. And, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. I'm a T-Mobile customer. And, uh, and so the things that I've seen with T-Mobile, I did some war driving on Saturday and drove around Houston and and uh, and got generally, you know, they, they say speeds around 30 to 40% better than LTE, and that's what I found, um, and uh, there were some places, obviously, where that wasn't the case, but mm-hmm. in most cases, it is. What's what's really interesting to me, and I, I love to talk, I need to talk to T-Mobile about this, mm-hmm. is that in there, um, when you have fewer bars, you still get great speed, so the other day, I was in my uh, in in my house, uh, a decent distance away from a window, I had one or two, it was fluctuating between one or two bars. Mm-hmm. I did a speed test and it was showing five G, and I got seventy five megabits down. Wow! With one or two bars, and and that's kind of what I found is that even when the signal that you're shown on the phone is not great you still get like between 75 and I think the highest I've seen uh, with low bars like at three is like a hundred megabits. Um, which, when is pretty, I was which, which
0: is pretty amazing when you think about it, you know, given that yes. for, oh, a lot yes. of people, for a lot of people, a hundred megabits is a fantastic internet connection, you know, well yes, yes, yes. on 50 or 75.
1: Yes. And, and on, on LTE here in, um, in Houston, I've gotten... At four bars at, at times, a um, hundred megabits down, uh, you know, on the full bars. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, one of the best places to test LTE is the parking lot of the Kroger, not far from where you used to live. Oh, really? Um, yes. Really? <laughs> yes. It has gray as a great signal. <laughs> I, I
0: should not um, have I should not have moved from Houston back in two thousand two. My that, that was my mistake. Have uh, we getting better Mark, <laughs>
1: Mark, it's never too late to come
0: home. <laughs> I maybe be so, back
1: back to Houston one day. You never know. <laughs> so so in this in this um, uh, you know here, uh, T-Mobile also has a few spots where there is midband. They acquired Sprint and got some Sprint's mid uh, midband spectrum as a result. Sprint launched, this is one of the first cities in which Sprint launched, launched its midband, And they gave uh, a bunch of journalists who came here for the event uh, a ride around in a bus in Houston, downtown Houston. And where they had it set up, we were getting close to 800 megabits down. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, uh, when I asked T-Mobile where it was here right now, they pointed me to a location in a couple of Houston suburbs, one in one called Stafford, which is out towards the southwest, and one in Missouri City, which is further south than that. And, uh, and when I did tests there, I got reliably uh, well over 200 megabits down. The best I did was 250 megabits. Wow. Um, in all these cases, uh, at least those last two, the upload speeds were terrible. And I assume that they're using kind of LTE for, for uploads. Mm-hmm. Uh, upload speeds in uh, their standard 5G in Houston generally is, you know, probably about a third to half of what you get uh, with the download speed. So um, what's really interesting about the iPhone uh, 12 line is it has this kind of intelligent uh, ability to uh, sample the quality of the 5G signal. And if it's going to cause your battery to drain, uh, because it kind of insists on connecting to 5G when the 5G signals are good, it'll automatically switch to LTE. Right. Um, uh, And so I have not seen that happen, or at least I haven't seen it where um, the, the, the icon on the phone switched to LTE. But I have gotten tests with the 5G icon visible where the the speeds looked more like four G, so uh, it may be happening and it just doesn't make make the, the change on the icon. But in general, kind of what I'm what I'm telling people is this is one of the few times if you're a T-Mobile customer and you own the iPhone 11 or even you know the 10s and you normally would be hesitant because well my phone is good enough. If you're a T-Mobile customer, it may actually be worth it. To make that leap to right. an iPhone 12, um, it also may be worth it, and and uh, and you can talk about this because you're you were raving about this before we started. It's also worth it if you're really into iPhone photography to get the Pro Max because the camera is one of the first times in a long time where Apple has made the big phone have a better camera than the Pro model that's the standard size.
0: No, I, I think I think that's uh, accurate. I mean, I you know the 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 the, the name of the game in uh, when you're up when you when a, the industry is making a major change, whether it was from three G to LTE or from LTE now to five G, it it always comes down to in the early days of where you live. You know, I mean, there's never been a, a situation where, okay, you you buy a brand new phone, a new service comes out, and it's ubiquitous, and wherever you are in the United States, you, you're going to get that performance because it's going to vary carrier by carrier. Uh, state by state, region of the country by region of the country. And I, as I was telling you before, we, you know, we started the uh, podcast, you know, I got my phone on Friday, you know, hopped in my phone on Saturday and, you know, did the, the did the nerd thing drove all the way up from San Jose up to all the way up to San Francisco in search of a five um, C signal. And I'm an AT&T guy, never got it. You know, it's, it did stay on LTE uh, consistently consistently. Um, there were part, you know, there are parts of 280 when you're driving past, um, if you, if those, those of you who are familiar with that corridor between San Jose and San Francisco, it's a, a beautiful drive all the way up to San Francisco, but there were always p- parts of that drive that the LTE signal would kind of, um, uh, would stop or, or you would get a, you know, maybe a bar. I noticed that consistently the LTE speed at least was consistent going all the way up, but it never switched to 5g. So I have not been able to experience, I have not been able to experience the, uh, the broadband nirvana that you've been able to, um, uh,
1: <laughs> Dwight, with your, so you when know, you your look, experience. So, so, so when you look on AT&T's coverage map, do they show they, no, coverage they show, for they, they, 5G? They,
0: they show coverage. And as you know, the map they have, or I don't know if you've ever checked the AT&T map, it's not very precise. I mean, it's like a big blob of blue. And you kind of think you're sort, you know, it's not, it, it's not that, you know, um, at least the map that I've seen, it's not that precise where you can say, well, it's this part of San Francisco, or is this part of the Bay area? It's, it's, it's a, it's a very imprecise um, uh, uh, sizing up of what areas that you can get. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep trying. I mean, I, I, I I guess I'd be advising my friends that, you know, you, you know, and I think you, you're doing the same thing. If you're going to make the upgrade, to an iPhone 12, you really have to be mindful of the area that you're going to be in, the carrier that you have. Um, and in your case, you know, with with um, with uh, the carrier that you're using, uh, you're able to get you know very good coverage. You're able to get that you know you're getting you know broadband like speeds, which is pretty um, remarkable. Um, but in other parts of the country, that may, that's probably going to be problematic. So it's uh, to me right now, the iPhone 12 is probably not a must-have upgrade if you're just looking for five G because the infrastructure is being built out. Having said that, the um, uh, the, the camera is fabulous. You know, I um, I'm a big photographer. I don't want I like the idea of having one device as my camera. A lot of people like to have DSLRs for for the zoom lens capability, but you know I find that you know I'm not using I don't really need a zoom lens all the time. So having a great smart home uh, smartphone with terrific camera capability is really the ticket for me, and I I suspect most people feel that way. And the low light uh, capability of the new 12 uh, Pro Max is really stunning i mean you can take some great photos in very low lighting conditions um the the video uh, apple's always done a pretty nice job with its video capability but the video capability of the new 12 pro max is 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 phenomenal you know i mean it really it really is a professional grade camera and as you and i've talked before um uh, Dwight, I really think Apple's going after that market. They're not just going after the market for the casual photographer. They really want to go after the the, the professional photographer. They want to steal that that uh, part of the market that uh, that's buying uh, Canon cameras or or Sony high end cameras or uh, Nikon, you know, real traditionally high end cameras that you know the the the, the 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 teams at those companies probably scoff when you say, "Oh, I'm not going to use an iPhone for as my day to day camera." Well, the cameras are now coming into their own. And you can get some t- really really t- tremendous camera quality output
1: yes i i haven't yet played that much with the video and but obviously uh there are some features uh to it that are clearly designed for like professional filmmakers
0: yeah absolutely and,
1: you know and i don't think that it's kind of like show-offy that that apple when they introduce these phones you know, show filmmakers actually making films using it, and uh, and and I think increasingly that that you're seeing the ability to make really excellent uh, video with these. You know, certainly our um, I can tell you that the newspaper photojournalists, mm-hmm. you know, like using it, and particularly when one of our uh, one of our reporters goes out and uses kind of a high end, you know. Uh, Apple's smartphone to do video and brings it back for use on our site, you know, it, it looks, it looks really good. And so I think that, I, I think that, you know, putting that pro name on it uh, in, in, particularly in the case of video is really apropos.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, you know, it's interesting to me. And then I want to talk to you about the new, um, uh, M1-based uh, Max that came out um, or that were announced uh, last week and now they're starting to ship. So I want to hit that topic before we end the podcast. Mm-hmm. But, but you know what the interesting to me on video cameras has always been is that when most people go in to see a, a professional movie in a, at, a, at a theater, movies are shot at 24 frames per second. That's why if you look at the video, uh, not video, but the, the digital movies in a movie theater, they ha- they almost have a and they, they slow down the speed because that that tends to be give it a much more um realistic look than w- watching thirty frames per second video, which tends to be you know very fluid but you could you t- you could, you could k- take two video scenes one that shot at twenty four frames per second one that shot at thirty frames per second or even sixty frames per second, and you'll get a and you'll, people will understand that feeling I, I encourage people because you can do this with the, with the iPhones, you, the, with, you've been able to do this for the last couple of generations. Change the video speed from from thirty frames per second to twenty four frames per second. Just shoot a piece of video, and when you watch it on a monitor, you'll notice it has a very cinematic like look, which is exactly the way it's intended. So, to your point, it's it's absolutely. I'm absolutely convinced that Apple is going after the pro market, hence the name Pro. So their marketing teams are pretty smart. They've actually named it properly. Um, Yes. So let's talk in a few minutes that we have left. Let's talk about the new. M1 Max. Um I know that you actually um you know one of the things that I kind of had a negative reaction to when they were the new MacBooks and Mac Minis were announced last week was they only had a 16 gigabyte um memory limitation and for those of us who come out of the Windows world or you know have been buying Macs for years we're kind of trained that you want to you know if you're really a professional user of a MacBook especially if you're doing video editing and other high intensity activities you really want to get lots and lots of memory i mean even I any mean, the iMac that i'm using right now has 64 gigabytes of memory so when i saw 16 i'm like well you know do i really want to get this now you had a very interesting conversation dwight uh, that you wrote about with a couple of rice um, uh, rice academics so i want to kind of make mm. your brain about that so, so 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 should those people be concerned you know about the 16 gigabyte memory limitation that's really the question
1: um i think I almost want to say right now, it's too early to say, and it depends on what you do, what you're doing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the the two professors that I talked to were both uh, computer engineering professors, and they they they're familiar with chip architecture. And the 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 M1 uh, chip uh, comes in a package that includes the RAM inside, the, inside a package with the die and other components. Um, and that the, uh, the proximity of the, the memory to the processor helps with the performance. But in addition, and Apple mentioned this, but kind of didn't go into detail uh, when they were unveiling these, they have uh, SSD controllers that are uh, much faster than previous SSD controllers that they've used and the SSD uh, memory is faster. And so in, in talking to the, um, to the professors, one of the things they pointed out is in all disk-based operating systems, when memory is, uh, is filled up, it begins to work with simulated memory or what's called swap memory on the storage. In the days of hard drives, yes, that was agony <laughs> when yes. that happened. It was awful. Right. With SSDs, it's uh, in it certainly kind of you know the current era of SSDs, you can feel it, but it certainly is not as agonizing as it was before. And mm-hmm. what these what these uh, what these uh, computer engineering professors suggested is that if it's fast enough, uh, you might not notice it. In other words, um, you know, if you are, if you would, if you would normally need to do uh, the the task that you're doing, 32 gigabytes of memory, and you have 16 gigabytes, and it's it's creating, you know, up to another 16 on as a swap file, you may not feel that. And um, now that said, in in each of the reviews that I've seen today, because they the embargo dropped on them. Uh, nobody kind of really goes into that other than mentioning that that's a concern, but I don't think anybody has done anything that really pushes it past that. You know, I, I run virtual uh, machines uh, and uh, I, I, sometimes I'll have both a Windows and a Mac virtual machine running on my 2020 iMac. And I don't notice much degradation of uh, of, of performance, but I'm not doing other things like, you know, uh, you know, rendering video in the background. I do that. I will have multiple ones going. But, but, they, but, but, Dwight, literary, but the operative uh, thing
0: gauges. here, yeah, Dwight, the operative thing here. too it's not sure. It's certainly a function of are you doing something? If your core application that you're running in the in, in the foreground uh, is a video application, for example, where you're you know you're you're um, you're um, mm-hmm. pressing video and editing video and doing all kinds of very processor intensive stuff, mm-hmm. that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing multiple things at the same time, you know, you have multiple applications open, that's where that memory swap um, uh, topic comes into play. Because I recall those days in the old days when you, you know, when the memory ceilings were not that high, were not that large in PCs and the computer had to continually swap. Uh, stuff back to, to was using storage essentially as a, as a secondary memory um, uh, capability, and it was painful if the, because hard drives at those time in those days were relatively slow. It's not like SSDs, which today they're uh, you know they're nearly as fast as as uh, dynamic uh, memory. You know, so but right. but so I, I so the the just to get your perspective from these two professors, there's their their inclinations to say that they don't think it will be an issue from a performance standpoint.
1: It may not be, you know, it depends on what the overall package is doing. I haven't seen anything in the reviews where anybody complained about a slowdown based on what they were doing. I think I saw one uh, review of the MacBook Air, which doesn't have a fan. Yes. um, Slowed a little bit on some particular application. Um, What's interesting about the MacBook Air is that it always had the 16 gigabyte limitation. Limitation, That's kind of what it came with. Right. And so for that machine um, and based on the reviews, you know, that's kind of an everyday use machine that looks like a fantastic device. Oh yeah. And,
0: and and it's fanless, let's face it. That's a big deal. You know,
1: Right. right. If I was buying a pro machine right now, I think I would wait and see what other pro users say once they get them in their hands, particularly developers who may be working with multiple virtual machines um, and see what what happens if if that gets stressed beyond 16 gig. It's possible, you know, that that uh, it, with with the exception of people who are doing you know seriously high end uh, memory intensive stuff, mm-hmm. that that you know even some pros might not see it. Personally, I'm glad I don't. I have a, a MacBook Pro that's doing just fine, and I have no intention of replacing it yet. And I'm glad I don't have to this year. I don't have to make that choice. But I, I think I think from the I, I suspect the M2 on will deal with with the memory issue because at the very least, Apple can charge more if they can put more
0: memory. Oh in. yeah. I mean they want the upsell. But the, the bottom right. line is the M1 right now, from an architecture standpoint, that's the limitation. It can only support up to 16 gigabytes of memory. It wasn't a limitation of the form factor, it was a limitation of the of the the um
1: it phone may phone. be a limitation, it may be a limitation of the die package yes. factor is what they yes. said. That's you exactly know, right. That they that essentially the way they designed the first M1, you can't get more than uh, than than you know two eight gig slots. In fact, one of the things they speculated on was that um, that they all may come with actually sixteen gig and only eight is turned on.
0: Right. So what was gonna be interesting, interesting to me. What's going to be interesting to see is that the, the the benchmarks of the new Mac Mini, because the Mac Mini, of course, doesn't have a battery; it's plugged in all the time. You have a fan in that unit, and uh, so they'll be able to run the M1 at a, at a um, at um, they don't, they won't have to worry about the overheating issues that happen with CPUs when you have when you don't have a fan. Uh, so right. really, that that actually should perform at a very nice performance clip. And anyway, the the, the initial. Reviews I've said is that it's it's outclassing all the top performing Intel CPUs in the in those in those um, family ranges. So it'll 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 be interesting to see. It'll be interesting how that plays out. But I I will just conclude this one thought is that uh, for those people who are considering buying an M1, if you want to run bootcamp, it won't run Boot Camp. So that's that's probably that's that's a negative because a lot of people were running um, Boot Camp to run Windows. Um, and they have to wait for Parallels to come out with an M1 version of its um, parallel software that allows you to run Windows in a virtual way. Right. And Apparently, they have demonstrated that they they, ha- they haven't shipped it yet. So, if you do run Windows in a virtual uh, in a virtual manner, uh, like many people do on their X eighty um, six iMac, you're you're, you're going to have to wait, obviously, until Parallels come out comes out with that. And that will, what's going to be inter- entertaining about that. Is will Windows run more efficiently on an M1 back on an on an M1 uh, piece of silicon with uh, in a virtual manner on an Apple platform than it does on an x86 you know uh, Dell or Lenovo PC? That's what I'm really gonna be curious about seeing is how they benchmark against traditional Intel-based uh, units.
1: Yes. Yep. So.
0: Well, this is great, uh, Dwight. Thank you. Um, I, uh, w- we're going to definitely do this again, no matter what you end up doing. We are definitely going to do this again. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I wish you luck. It's always great uh, chatting with you. To the entire Moritz uh, Insights and Strategy audience, thanks for tuning in. Uh, please follow us at our social media partners. That's Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And until next time, have a great week. <music>